Okay, so we're going to try something new. Uh, my name is Carlos, and I'm with Brian again. Hey, Brian, what's up? Hey, everyone. How are you doing? This is Brian and Carlos with Good Dog Workshop. Yeah, we're going to try something different. Uh, Brian, you're going to kind of throw a topic out there, and then we're going to go from there, just so we have, like, zero preparation, kind of have a more spontaneous, casual uh, conversation back and forth and see what we can come up with. Yeah, I try. I thought we'd try something uh, different for the for the listeners. So the word that I want to give out to you is Angus. <laughs> Go. Angus, yes. Uh, March 10th of 2009 was when we worked with him. Yeah, he's uh, an English bulldog. Uh, very good looking English bulldog. Very stubborn, which is usually the case. But um, his stubbornness, I think, masked, or I should say, his stubbornness kind of maybe created a gray area where we weren't sure if he was aggressive too. So I had to, I had to, uh, what's the word, um, withstand this faux aggressive uh, behavior that he threw out that his owners were worried about. We took him in, and by taking him in, I mean we had the owners drop him off with Brian, and I hung out there. I don't know how many days it was, but we wanted to get to the bottom of of what was going on because he was doing a lot of growling, a lot of noise, right? So, especially with his toy. So yeah, I Yeah, and and before yeah. you get too far, I want to give the yeah. uh, the readers a little bit of feedback on this. Sure. So so in the notes I have on Angus, two and a half year old male English bulldog, uh they said he was boisterous and that he'd like to chase their other dog who I believe was a uh, St. Bernard, 6 year old male. Yeah. Um the owner told me that she feels that Angus is definitely not red zone aggressive, but he'll grab a toy, run up to a person, growl like a chainsaw, um, and try and <laughs> yeah, get them fine. to uh, to play. They said that uh, one day um, the, their parents' dog lunged at Angus, and Angus went after him. Don't remember all the, the details of uh, of that when she told me about it. And then she gets excited, or he gets excited when people. People come to the home, and then their St. Bernard Gordy, really, really easygoing dog, not an issue with that uh, that dog. So they basically called us to say, what do we do with this powerful, high-energy, seemingly dominant um, guy who growls a lot? And I think the, I think the owner, the, the wife, was was a little bit scared of Angus, as I recall. Is that right? Yeah, and, he, and, he, and, and she was right, by the way, usually – customers clients uh, tend to exaggerate but she was right <laughs> this guy made a lot of noise so i could see where she was coming from but i think she was accurate about yeah, the dog making a lot of noise but you know it's one of those deals where yeah you had to take a little bit of a risk um but if you are committed and were committed and had a little bit of of experience um, and stuck with it, you, you'd kind of figure out what was going on. And, and that's kind of what I did. I, I don't know, Brian, if you want me to keep going or do you want to? No, 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 get, no, keep going. I, I wanted oh, to okay. kind of get you started on it and then, and then you go and, and if I have something to add in, I'll go ahead. But, but you did most, I, I feel that you did most of the work with, uh, with Angus, especially when we got him back to my house. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And I think at one point I isolated myself with the dog in the basement. Right. Because I just really wanted to like, uh, focus. And remove any variables and to see really get down to the, the sincere part of the dog. Let's see what, you know, maybe what's, what's this really about? And it turned out it was mostly about being possessive about the toy. I think, I don't know if it was a ball or a bone or whatever. Um, being possessive, but also being competitive. Had a, had a really strong competitive drive. And I don't think he met another human or dog that could match him. 
So he kind of got a kick out of that. That became his thing. But a lot of noise was, was, uh, <laughs> was part of that. Just a lot of, <laughs> but not a lot of follow through, right? No, no biting, nothing like that. And so I, no, nothing like that. And, and I want to tell the viewers here, you know, most of you don't know or will never meet Carlos, but, uh, Carlos is a, is a very competitive person him, himself. And so putting Carlos with, with a, a stubborn, a competitive, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, a dominant dog is, is, you know, perfect. And I don't mean perfect storm. It's perfect because Carlos doesn't, doesn't lose. I've never seen him back down from, uh, from any dog. And I don't mean that as a boast, as Carlos is a good friend of mine, but just the fact that, you know, this is, this is what, what we do. And this is one of the things that, that, uh, Carlos excels at. So for, for these people to call us to say, we need help with our dominant dog, Carlos is the perfect person to, to work with this dog. And especially being an English bulldog, he's gonna, he's typically, English bulldogs are gonna be typically very physical. Um, they're gonna be very stubborn and they're gonna want to, you know, use, use their teeth to play, to test, to try to dominate and see, can I get one over on this guy or, or is he actually in charge of me? So it was really, you know, just a, just a perfect assignment for, for Carlos with Angus. Go ahead. Oh, thanks, man. You know, and, and, uh, this was early on too. Like I wasn't that experienced. This is one of the early cases where I wasn't sure because he had so much competitive drive combined with a lot of noise and the breed uh, tendency just being, being hard headed in general. So it was a good learning experience for me. So I can't, say that I knew what the outcome was going to be, but I did have, uh, like you said, this competitive drive about me and also a heck of a lot of curiosity, right? I really want to get down to what makes this dog tick. And I don't know if that's a personality thing I have, just my passion for animal behavior. Um, no, I think, I think it's part of just being a, a natural problems, problem solver. Okay. You, yeah. You, you kind of, you kind of want to want to take things apart or, or deconstruct things and see what makes them work. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Well said. I think that's true. And a lot of people have that. And if they access it, I would, I would encourage them to, to also do that with their animals. Right. I mean, obviously be safe. Yeah, absolutely. But this wasn't a case where he, he went after anybody, but it's just a bulldog. First of all, they're, <laughs> they're not very fast. I guess number one. And then number two, there's not a lot they can bite. Right. It's like a pug, right? It's like a little pug. <laughs> A lot of noise, but it's kind of cute at the same time. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny to watch these guys. Yeah. Oh and, man! And and usually, especially from from the, the all the English bulldogs that we've worked with, usually it's mostly just a whole bunch of noise and posturing and and growling. But they're really not trying to harm each other. They really just want to see who can look tougher or sound tougher than the other dog. Yeah, they 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 do have that competitive. Um, quality about them and that's not to say that they all do some of them are laid back and lazy of course um but you know you got to understand this goes back to what we were talking about breed tendency right, right. they bred to fight bulls which sounds crazy but that's really where it is so obviously through breeding and stuff they've softened up like a lot of other breeds that were bred to fight and that sort of thing but they still have that competitiveness about it so the people really need to go ahead Exercise the dog, play with the dog. Heck, I would even say wrestle with the dog. So Absolutely. That he, so that he can see, oh man, this person has capability, they're powerful, uh, they're fun, I can bond with them, and I also, more importantly, I can't control them, because once, once they think they can control you, then it's harder to get their attention, harder for them to respect you, and so on. So, right. so with Angus, it was just interesting. I isolated him, isolated myself, 
I forget if it was a, a chew toy of a, uh, I don't know if it was a ball or a rope. But... It, 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 it might have been that, um, that hexagonal sphere ball thing where I have that picture of you picking him up. Oh, okay. That, that, uh, that blue thing. But yeah, you, you kind of went down in the basement and I think you spent, what, four hours or so down there with him? Just you and him sizing each other up and, yeah. and, and working with him. It was, it was several hours it's, in one day and that was, that was like the first day or something. Yeah, it seemed like a long time, but, um, I guess when you're in the zone, you know, and you have that competitiveness about you, you're like, let's go. <laughs> it's a, so, well, yeah, and, you know, and, and exactly. And, and because he wasn't going to give it up so easy, you needed to take all that time to show him, look, one of us is going to give in and it's not going to be, going to be me. And, and d- again, to catch up our listeners on this, we took Angus in, which is something we rarely do yeah. because Angus had enough stubbornness, enough power, made these people nervous enough, and we felt that it would be good for Angus to get away from from his owners and and their nervous energy. And and really, they're very nice people, um, but they they were kind of nervous around him and unsure what to do. And also to give them a break from him, but you know, to in a sense to kind of green break a horse, to say, okay, let's let's take the edge off this thing, and then we'll hand them back a dog that, you know, has has kind of learned and and hopefully will go back with this with this new programming in him and and give his owners an easier version of himself. So that that's why we actually took. Angus in. Yeah, for sure. And something interesting you said too is uh, uh, separating the dog sometimes removes the power from the dog as well. So absolutely. So, but that was not the case with Angus. I mean, we've had dogs where they were tough and gruff, and that's only because they didn't trust their owner as a leader. So they thought they mm-hmm. had, they had to take over, and then they had extra incentive and purpose. To put up a front, be whatever pseudo aggressive posture, and we're like, whoa, where is this coming from? So isolating uh, the dog sometimes works. In this case, it didn't. He was just outright competitive, didn't care who was around. Um, so what did what did this look like, right? Oh, it's just basically me acting like a dog, right? Me going right. Down, me going down there with him and saying, uh, well, let's see what the game is. What are the rules? And the rules are simple. Can you outlast me? With this with this object, and I, you know, I was like, "All right, well, I have nothing better. <laughs> I'm nothing else going on. I want to learn about this animal and, and see the level of uh, of drive and um, commitment." And so I just sat there. I don't know if I at one point I put the toy in my mouth as well, but we were just sitting there. You know, I think at one point I was growling too. You know, I kind of wanted to push him a little bit. Not that I really had to touch him or roll him or physically coerce him, but I wanted to see if if there was a if there was a risk of the the play drive going into true aggression, right? Right. And 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 if so, I wanted to know and put myself out there so that if if it was if his play drive competitive nature did become a, gr- a true aggression, then it was good for the owners to know that uh, that information. But in this case, it wasn't. And I don't know how long it took, but at one point, I was thinking to myself, man, man, am I wasting my time? This dog is super, super, super uh, committed to holding on to this toy, not giving it up. And so I think he, so he had it in his mouth and then I had my hands on it and, uh, we just, that was it. We just sat there on the ground. He made noise. I may, may or may not have made noise as well. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear, but I then I just sat there and sat there and I was like, man, this, I don't know how long. And then at one point he stopped. He just stopped after a long, long time. He just stopped. And I was, I was kind of surprised. I was like, wow. Okay. 
<laughs> now, did, did he stop? Did he just stop growling, or did he stop growling and he dropped the toy? He dropped the. He released the toy and stopped growling. <laughs> okay, so 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 for our for our listeners, what does that symbolize? When a dog when a dog uh, drops a toy and 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 stops growling, you know they stop their behavior. What does that symbolize? Uh well, you know, it's like surrendering, you know, right. may, may relinquishing um, submission. Yeah, and relinquishing the sense of I'm on the top dog and I'm in control and and I'm stronger than you and more powerful than you kind of thing. So, so and and like I said, I I've never done one like this before, and so I didn't know what to expect. But I just was like, okay, just if the dog can do it, I can do it. <laughs> so, so um, I was younger then too, but uh, um, yeah, great, great, great experience, great learning moment, and. And it was weird because after that, it was like something switched in his head. Right. It was like after that, he really, he was still himself, you know, he was still competitive and that, but he didn't, he didn't challenge me the same way. It was, it was a lot different. That was cool to see. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because what's, there's two things is one is, you know, I can just hear it in, in people's, you know, some of our, our listeners' heads, hopefully not too many, but but some people's heads going, oh, because you broke the dog's spirit. No, we did not break the dog's spirit. Yeah, no, no, no. It, the, the dog was happy to, to to continue being with Carlos, which is a sign that we didn't break his spirit. He's, he wasn't fearful, you know, none of that nonsense that, that people think because they're humanizing dogs when they think stuff like that. But it, what that what that was was Angus submitted to Carlos's dominance and said, "Okay, I know my place in our pack of two, and you are in charge, and I am fine with that, and I respect you and trust you more for it." So it's really important for people to understand that, yeah, you have to do some hard work, and sometimes it's really hard mental work, sometimes it's hard physical work, sometimes it's a combination of the of the two. But to be able to to win that battle, and it's t- it's typically more a psychological battle than anything else. The end, the light at the end of the tunnel is that trust and respect that you get from you know from your own dog, and you're in charge of him, and you've got a brand new relationship, like uh, like Carlos said. And when when you and he came up, or I, you know maybe you went in the backyard, and then I, I met yeah. you out there with with yeah. our other dogs, there was a definite change. And then you showed me some of what you had done, and I remember you had. Um, uh, you were you were handling him and 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 seeing if you could flip him over and how how um, docile he was in 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 doing that and how much he would growl at you and how he'd still want to play tug with you but he gave it he gave it up a yeah. lot more quickly and wasn't um, wasn't yeah, I won't say struggling but he but he wasn't putting as much into it because he knew that this was a dominance exercise and you weren't playing with him in, in those moments yeah um, and and so being physical especially with a very physical dog is an important part of establishing the the proper leader follower relationship with your dog and you know in in my in my opinion and I remember it like it was yesterday um, you know Angus seeing Angus and Carlos work together that's a classic. Uh, case of this is this is how to work with a dominant dog and the other thing I want to say about this is you didn't have to do a whole lot of physical touching with Angus uh-uh. um, yeah. versus kind of what we were expecting where and 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 you know I tell my clients I the people that I've been speaking to lately um, I'm telling them that that you know that's active active dominance or active leadership. You were actually using more uh, passive leadership, passive dominance with with Angus and holding that toy and then just waiting to wear him out, waiting for him to just give it up because he would recognize that you're going to outlast him in that. And I I love the fact that 
that we have this case to to clearly describe to people this is you know leadership can also be very passive and just about patience and say i am the immovable object and i will win this this psychological battle so i you know i love i love thinking about this case because it was so cool to to you know to see it happen and then you know work with them myself a bit and then explain to the owners and we we've, we've talked to them a few times since and they haven't had a problem with them since so oh, you know cool. I know yeah, that. it's it's cool. it worked out uh, worked out very very well for them too. And I, you know, it's ten years, so he may not be around anymore. But uh, but they really love that dog, and so they put their all into it, and they followed our uh, our instructions after the fact, and you know, it was was easy going from there. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, well, I can't believe it's been ten years. <laughs> yeah, well, eleven actually. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, almost eleven. Yeah. Um. No. Well. well yeah. I'll, I'll, so I'll, the takeaway here for me is um, there's a couple things that there's a lot. I know there's a lot of information we put out there, and it's a lot to take in because a lot of it has to do with can you personally overcome the uh, basic fear? Fear. I don't want to get bit. I don't want to hurt this dog. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to be embarrassed. You know, can you get over these insecurities and just be? pure right and so that's one of the things that i take away from that is okay i may have looked silly um you know growling down there with the dog holding onto a ball for a long time you know whatever but you know be uh, focused in this in, in these kinds of moments you know you may have a stubborn dog you didn't want a stubborn dog well if you're committed and you're going to be responsible um, to the animal you acquired i think you you have to allow yourself to remove uh, whatever other perceptions there is that may take away that focus to get your dog where it needs to be, but you have to be 110%, right? So, so that's why I t- took away from that is just really be focused and don't be embarrassed. If I did that, someone was watching me, who knows? If I was somebody else and not competitive and not focused enough, I could have stopped myself and be like, you know what? I look stupid. Ah, he's, I'm just going to give this animal the, the toy because I, I look stupid. I don't know what they're thinking about me and, and I have to do this and that and I'm, you know, I'm busy and, and this is going to take forever. You know, I mean, I could, I could talk myself out of it. So, so right. yeah, it takes, it takes a little bit of, of stubbornness and commitment, um, to deal with a dog like this. And there's not, not just bulldogs. There's a lot of, of breeds that can, can manifest this type of, uh, behavior. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, that, even that little puppy that I worked with the other day, I was like, "Wow, this little guy's got some uh, got some dominant uh, energy to him." Um, so, what I think is terrific about about what you just said here is um, is not being not being afraid, not be fearful. You know, a lot. And I'll ask a lot of clients that question when I have them on the phone. Is I'll say, "Are you afraid of your dog?" And generally, I'll get a pause, which means yes, to some degree or another, they are afraid of their dog. Um, and so, you know, when we let our emotions come into it or, you know, whether we're afraid of our dog or we're embarrassed about handling our dog or, or you know, barking a correction at our dog out in public or something like that, essentially we've already lost the the battle and we need to reset and, and come back to it. Um, and so so that's that's ultra important. And when Carlos and I were on the phone earlier today, I told him, I see a lady who needs help at the at, outside the dog park here. I'm going to get off the phone. So I got off the phone, ran across the street to her. I said, you know, I do this for a living. Can I help you with this? And we talked for a little bit and her, her she had an eight month old um, Doberman female. Um, really nice, uh, nice pup, but was just super excited about, uh, about being outside the dog park and, and, you know, pulled on leash trying to get to the dogs that were coming up to the fence. And, you know, I explained energy and body 
language and sound and touch and, and those things. And the dog responded really well to me by me just stepping into her with dominant energy and a sharp sound. And the dog instantly went to a sit. I didn't even say sit. And the, the lady seemed very pleased at that. Um, and you know, she started talking. She says, well, I'm really, really not sure what to do. And I said, okay, that's part of what we need to work on then is to get you to the point where you feel comfortable working with the dog. You feel confident working with your dog because she had said she read so much different information on the internet about do this and do that. And she was doing that ridiculous, you know, walk until your dog gets ahead of you and then yank the leash and quickly turn around and walk oh, the other direction. So man, she had been doing that in the time I got to the stop sign and then did a U-turn. She had done that five or six times before I parked and ran across the street to her. And I, I said, yeah, that's something that really is not very effective for the for the most part. Um, so, you know, I'll get a get appointment about that um, from her this this weekend. But that for me, the training session with a person like that is mostly about building the person's confidence and also getting them to understand what it's like to speak dog. And that's the, that's the tie-in I want to go back to on this issue with Angus was when you're down on the ground, when you were making growling noises with him, when you were being stubborn with him, and when you were doing all this and not using human English sentences with him, you were stepping into his world. You were speaking dog. And that's so much of what this is is about. It be, being successful with uh, with dogs is 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 being very dog-like in your in your demeanor, in your actions, and in, in your intentions. And that's that's absolutely a, a major part of why we succeed with dogs, and why you did such a great job with with Angus those few days um, is because we understand how dogs' minds work, and how they think, and how to read their their body language. Um, uh, I so, want Go ahead. Well I, well, I appreciate you saying that. No, it was a great experience for sure. But I wanted, I wanted to throw a wrench into this whole thing and be like devil's advocate. Yeah, go ahead. Because in my mind, I'm thinking how many people are saying, well, you could have done that differently. You could have done that with a positive reinforcement, redirection, treats. Fair why, point. Why won't that work in this case? Why didn't we do that? And are we are we cruel, mean people? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's well, do you, one do you, of those do you, things. Do you, do you want to answer your own question? Uh, or, do you want, or do you want me to? No, you're already on a roll. Go ahead. You know. Okay. So, because I, 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 you know, I'd like to, I'd like to hear your wording for it because sometimes you, you word things so much better than I, than you, you I have do, a but... better, you have a better voice than I do. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so the reason that won't work is because his dominance, his energy level, his stubbornness, his determination was already beyond the point of that level of passivity working with him. And, you know, people will say, if your dog jumps on you, turn your back on them. Well, that doesn't address anything. That just shows him that I'm not going to pay attention to you. When you miss, up. Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm not, not going to. There's no real consequence when when you misbehave. And so that's why positive reinforcement only training doesn't work is because dogs number one they're usually too excited in the, in the moment to be able to uh, to respond to positive reinforcement only but also that's not how they work with each other and carlos you you can help me out here if you break it down into you know classical conditioning operating condition and you know positive reinforcement and positive punishment neg negative reinforcement negative punishment yeah, and put all the scientific terms on it that help people understand it maybe but the terms that dogs don't care about one way or the other yeah um dogs work with 
all of these things. They'll use, they'll use positive punishment. They'll put their teeth on each other, you know, to, to say, I don't want you doing that. They'll growl at each other. Now they'll you know, pin they, each other. They're pill, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll pin each other and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Right. And so, so once again, I go back to what I said in, in a podcast or two ago was, um, you know, we, we can't expect to be successful with dogs if we don't fully speak their language. So we're not willing to go to the extent that they are with each other in order to get through to them, in order to communicate to them, I'm serious, don't do this, or, you know, you yeah. need to do this, then why should they respect us and, and why should they even trust us? You know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't plan on, on, you know, taking a trip to, uh, to, to China without trying to learn some of their language instead of trying to force them, uh, you know, and any of the, the, the Chinese people to, to learn to speak my language when I'm in their country. So it's the same thing as when you're working with a dog, step into the dog world and speak his language. Yeah. And, and I couldn't have said it better myself, but I was thinking about this today. I was like, man, what's a, a quick way? I, and maybe it's harsh, but what's a quick way I can break this down? And, and the only thing I could think of is, Drop your ego and cut the emotion, the overly emotional crap that goes into behavioral uh, adjustment or correction. Exactly. I think there's just way too much uh, ego, right? I know better than you do. And well, all- well, and, and real quick, also, so people understand, ego is not necessarily. Um, you, one person saying, I'm better than you. I know more than you. Yeah. Ego is, is, is also, uh, humility. So I think yep. that the, the yep. second part of what you said really encompasses it is yeah. remove the emotion from working with dogs and just be about you and him or her, um, and no emotion, emotionally neutral. And you're just, you're just working with your dog in his, in his terms. So I think, I think yeah. removing the emotion is, is really the best way to put it. And, and I also want to perfectly, yeah, well said, but I also want people to understand because I think I had a client that I see the look on their face when, when I'll say something like remove the emotion. By the <laughs> way, this is a very fluid thing, right? We aren't, we're not saying always, treat your dog this way. We're not telling you to change what you like about your dog or if you consider your dog to be very cute and and that part of the sentimental quality uh, bonding is there. That's fine. We're not saying don't love yeah. on your dog. We're saying when it needs this uh, type of but a discipline or correction or adjustment, it, it the emotional stuff will thwart your success and the ego, right. the ego is the human ego is I don't want to look silly or I, someone told me something and I know it's best or I don't want to humble myself and, and admit that or I'm that, afraid. Yeah. Or I don't want to admit that I'm afraid or I don't want to admit that I'm doing it wrong. I don't want to, that stuff is going to hurt you too. Now I understand these are big, 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 uh, 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 psychological challenges people have, not just with dog training, but just across the board. But, Sure. It, to wrap it up, I think that's what I would I would say and break it down. You know, drop the ego, have some humility, and be willing to learn and cut the emotional stuff down for sure. And then when you have the problem resolved, then go back to normal. Everything's fine. Your dogs are smart enough to know. Okay, now my uh, handler is serious. Okay, so now it's serious time. Now they're playful. We can goof around. And now it's, you know, whatever, recreation time. They, they, they know they're not dumb where they, they're going to think that now you've changed. And so they're going to change and respond to you differently and maybe be worried about you now that you're a person. They don't, they don't, 
they're not that thick and people may not give them enough credit, but they will know. They'll know it's, hey, tough love time, you know, cutesy play time, recreation time, walk, they know. And they're not going to think of you any less is what I want to get out there as well. Yeah, and the, the fluidity of it, I think that's a really great way to put it. I haven't heard you say that before. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's <laughs> it, for me, I, I always think of it as the communication with my dogs is you may do this now or you may not do this now. And there's no gray area and there's also, there's no emotion to it. Or, you know, it's, and sure, I get, I get frustrated with my dogs when they, when they do stupid stuff. Um, so I'm not saying that I'm, that I'm perfect on this, but, uh, and I'm not, we're not suggesting that you not be emotional with your dogs, but they should look to you for guidance first and feedback Get ongoing so that they check in with you before they, they, you know, do something. Can I go over to, you know, the fence to, to sniff this dog or, or bark at this dog or chase up and down with this dog or, or whatever? They should look to us first. And then when we tell them, yes, you may or no, you, no, you may not, then they should check with us after that to say, may I continue doing this or may I, may I do something else? Um, yeah. And so, and so I think the fluidity is great. And, and one more thing I want to say on that is you, just like us when, you know, we're kids growing up or you're raising your kids is as a two year old, you don't have much freedom at all. As a seven year old, you have a little bit of freedom. As a 16 year old, you have more freedom. You can drive your parents car, whatever, and you can stay out a little bit later. So, you know, the better you get as a dog owner, as a good leader to your dog and the more responsive and more respectful he is to you, the more of these rules you can slacken up on, mm-hmm. but you have to start somewhere. You have to start with a, with a, you know, a great deal of, of rules and boundaries with your dog in order to mold them so that they start making these decisions on their own. And then you can really kind of, you know, take your hands off the, off the wheel a lot, um, a lot of times because your dog is making these great decisions because you've trained him to make those great decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and Angus is one of those cases, right? A tough case, very unique case, uh, required a lot of commitment, but very, very, uh, very doable and also instant, almost instant result once you finished what needed to be done as far as, uh, the challenge, uh, involved, um, with his, with his uh, competitive drive. So but, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and one other thing I, I forgot to point out, um, and, and maybe maybe you remember this or maybe you don't, was the other reason they had um, they had been concerned about Angus was they that he was at least a, a dominant, but may, but maybe a little too dominant, a little too overbearing, maybe even aggressive with other dogs. And so that was a major concern for them as well. So not only did you have to work with him there, but then we had to work with him with my dogs afterwards, which turned out to be very easy once you kind of, you know, showed him, okay, this is, this is the, the deal, buddy. I'm in charge of you and every, everything around you, I'm also in charge of. So when we started introducing my dogs and, and even your dogs, Lucy and Lucas at the mm-hmm. time, to Angus, it was really pretty easy. And I remember, you know, I loaded all the dogs in the truck, I think the next day and, you know, we did some errands or whatever and stopped at a gas station that had the windows down and the logo on the side of the truck and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, someone at the gas station, you know, asked me about that, said, are those all your dogs? And I, I looked and I was like, oh no, that, uh, that bulldog should be, you know, should be tearing other dogs apart, you know, uh-huh. the dog standing next to him in the truck yeah. because that's what his owner said. So it, you know, within, 
easily less than 24 hours, we had we had changed this dog's way of thinking and his patterns of of behavior. Um, you know, just by just by working with him in as as firm and and dominant, but as fair a way as he needed when we're working with you know simpler uh, simpler challenges and less dominant dogs, we'll you know we'll we'll tailor our our uh, our dominance and and we're our way of working with them to that. But but Angus needed a, a lot of uh, a lot of dominance and a lot of uh, a lot of work and a, and a strong, confident assertive um handler who understood him and so you know we got success with him on that and and maybe and now that you said that it reminds me of something maybe that's a great example of what it means like when you look up the dog breed tendencies online english book bulldog requires a firm hand maybe this is what they mean right but they don't explain it and no one does because no one wants to get into the nitty-gritty and be accused of something and look foolish but i believe this is what they mean Stubborn dogs, hard-headed, competitive, bred to fight, need a firm hand. And this is what a firm hand looks like. Although in this case, I didn't use my hand a lot. But I was firm as far as um, maintaining the challenge and winning over um, when it came to uh, uh, the particular toy object that he was using um, uh, to uh, exert his um, his dominance. So. Yeah, I think I think the the best words that 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 you've used this this podcast are determination and commitment. Was Angus a dog like Angus or, or English bulldogs? Generally, they are very determined and they are very committed. But once we show them that we're even more determined and we're more committed, then they're happy to to give it up to us and and show us a completely you know very very loving and loving and very playful side. Um, mm-hmm. But they're still they're still them themselves, um, yeah, yeah. and so so yeah. It's not it's not about being as some people would would interpret heavy-handed literally. It's not about being using using your hands on the dog so much as it is, you know, just just outdoing them at their own game. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a great example for sure. Um, it would have been a nice one to film if we had the film stuff going on there. <laughs> yeah, a cool one. But we do have some pictures. We do have some pictures. I think still on the website. If people want to take a look, very good looking dog for sure. Yep. Uh, anything else? I'm, I'm good. Um, no, I just, I wanted to throw that topic at you because yeah. I, I knew it would, I knew it would cover a lot of different, um, a lot of different aspects, you know, uh, uh, dominance and, and being physical with a dog. Um, also, you know, taking a dog in, which like I told the, told the listeners that we, that we rarely do. Um, and it turned out that by the end of this, we both really liked Angus. He was a lot of fun to have around. And, you know, because we had kind of, um, taken that burden off of him that yeah. he didn't have to challenge every dog or every person that came near him. He was like, Oh, cool. I can finally relax. I know my place in the, in the household pack. So, you know, there's, there's the, 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 subject of angus really covers a lot of uh, a lot of different things so i think i think we'll do this uh, more often is yeah, sure. just to go just do individual case studies and talk about you know how th- these number of these different aspects of working with dogs apply to this dog and maybe they change when they're applied to this dog and and so forth because this was uh, this is really a really good good and fun case to remember yeah no, and i appreciate you bringing that topic up it really got me uh uh, excited because I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that, but I, I remember yeah. this. But, but for sure, the best thing people are listening. You know, we we pamper our dogs, especially in the U.S. But one of the best things you can do for your dog is like what Brian said: is remove that burden 
that they carry around thinking that, man, I have to be the one in charge. That's a lot. Right. That's a lot of stress. And they may get used to it. And people may think that's their personality, if we could use that word. But it's it's really not. It's it's really an extra an extra thing to carry um, that that uh, that they don't need to. And exact and Brian is exactly right. A lot of times we see after the appropriate uh, application of whatever correction or method we're doing, they instantly are like, "Man, this is way better." They're happier. They're more playful. Um, and on and on and on. So, th- so really is the best thing you can do for your dog is other than exercise them, of course, is to yeah. make sure they don't carry that burden around thinking, Oh, I got to be the protector, you know? So, uh, but cool, man. All right. Well, we'll do this again. Um, I'm Carlos again, Brian, if you want to leave your information. For sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Brian Kirkner and we're, we're with good dog workshop. Uh, it's gooddogworkshop.com. And if you have any, any questions, feel free to go to the website and, and, uh, type out your question if you, if you want, or you can just call or text, uh, text us directly at 703-489-1319. We appreciate all your feedback and hope you keep listening to us. Absolutely. All right, man. Until next time, folks. Thanks everyone. <laughs> all right. Bye.